You're listening to Public Safety First, a podcast to help you learn about the First Responder Network Authority and how you can be part of the future of public safety technology. And now, your host. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Public Safety First podcast. I'm Kyle Richardson, and I serve as a senior public safety advisor in the North Central region. I cover states Missouri, Kansas, Iowa, Nebraska, and Ohio. And I'm here in Parma, Ohio today, speaking with TJ Martin of the Parma Fire Department. TJ, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. I'm well. How are you? Great, great. So you guys, tell me a little bit about Parma for somebody that's not from here. Uh, Parma is the seventh largest city in the state of Ohio. Um, We currently staff five fire stations providing both fire and EMS for a community of about 80, 85,000 people. As I said, we are the seventh largest city in the state of Ohio. Um, We also are very active in both hazmat, uh, confined space, any kind of emergency operations imaginable um, we handle uh, through through the fire department. Great. And how long have you been a firefighter? 30 years now. Wow. 30 years. So you guys would be considered a suburb of Cleveland? Cleveland, correct. You, you have some work together with Cleveland? And- we do, not too often. We have some borders that we share with them, um, but we try to handle our own and they try to handle their own. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the tie doesn't often meet. No doubt. So you've been using FirstNet uh, since when? Uh? Um, actually, we just started. I just started myself. Um, I've been in on the hopeful planning, uh, making revolutions for our department to have FirstNet subsidize our backbone. And then I just recently went on my own personal with a black SIM card to get on the FirstNet system. So, and I find it invaluable. Great. Yeah. To expand upon that a little bit, you've been using it for a little bit here. And what are the, the kind of things that you find invaluable about it? Um, I have connectivity anywhere. Parma being one of the, well, probably one of the largest communities in this, in Cuyahoga County, um, we also sit at the highest point in Cuyahoga County. So we're kind of covered with cell phone coverage on the commercial network pretty well. Our problem is the handoff. So when we go from one site to the other, inevitably we drop calls, which is a problem with every carrier. Um, I found that that potential and that occurrence is significantly less and maybe it's only perceived, but I find it significantly less on, on the band 14 first net card, whereas I don't lose connectivity as much as I used to. Absolutely. So what are some of the benefits that you see beyond what a commercial offering is, for example? I think that once as it develops and as we develop more programs or more, more apps are developed, um, EPPT or the Enhanced Push to Talk is going to be a lifesaver. It's not only going to be a valuable asset, it's going to be literally a lifesaver. I think that some of the innovations, uh, and again, let's, let's preface this back that when FirstNet first appeared, I became very interested. And, and as I said before, I'm not one of the high school, you know, AV guys. I, I was not of that ilk, but with a dad that was a fire chief and a dad that was an electrician, I got into electronics and, and my actual full title on the fire department is communications coordinator. I run the computer systems and then I also am the public information officer. So I have a broad range of spectrum of, of, of things that I handle. And it's kind of put me into contact with a lot of different applications and, and, and services that are available out there. When FirstNet first came out, I, I was a little skeptical at first. And then after reading some of the research and some of the background on it, I just literally fell in love with it because I know that the potential is there. I think that it's going to, in the future, um, as some of the things that we have talked about in, in some of the articles that I've seen, between the um, biometrics that they're going to have built into a lot of our personal equipment that where you can use the eight, you can still use your LMRs and use the first net as part of the, the data transmission for that 
back to a command and control situation where they can monitor somebody that's inside of a fire that they can't physically see. And then you couple those in with other things like telecommunications. Part of our plan is to equip all of our vehicles at some time in the future with to make them, in essence, mobile cell towers through the AT&T FirstNet program where we, put it, we can get mission-critical information through any place we're at by simply installing a, a, a simple cell router with an AT&T black SIM card and mission-critical information is at your fingertips with a greater baud rate and a greater download speed than we've ever seen in anything else. That's great. And, you know, my background is a public information officer, so I found that interesting about you. And you got the communication stuff, too, so those worlds are colliding right there. Right? They are. They are. Sometimes too much, but they collide. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's kind of fun to do that because you can see both sides of everything. So, um, I, as I said, I've been around in the fire service for years where, you know, each vehicle had one radio and we were on a, uh, a, a low band system that we would get skip trace or skip from Canada where every once in a while we'd hear Canada transmissions to now having fully encrypted 800 megahertz systems. And now we're adding another spectrum into that with band 14 on the AT&T FirstNet system. So with with being a PIO, there's some applicability there as well, too, right, where you are uh, the ability to be able to stream high uh, high speed data, push it out to the public. So you got the the piece of informing the public right. ahead, during, after, um, and also the work with as an interface to the to the media as well. Correct, and and that's one of the big things because I've been at several fires in the past where the media knows about it because they're monitoring the radio transmissions. They're calling you constantly, asking you for updates, and it'll be so simple to just have a device where you could do an a. a a terse, immediate press release that all the media would have their questions answered and then further information could be forthcoming. Um, Part of my duties is to update our social networking sites too. And our, our public really just loves the opportunity to be able to see a fire live. When you show up and you can, you can picture, take a a video and push it out live through Facebook, that gets so many more hits than just a static publication through Facebook. And one of the things that, that we're doing in this community, and I know a lot of other communities across the country are doing it, is Code Red to notify your community of natural emergencies. The capabilities that are going to be afforded to public entities, to emergency operations entities, is to update to the minute your community on hazardous situations, no matter what your current situation may be. So everybody hopes that their LMR keeps and their, and their integrity of their own system is, is not compromised at any one point in time, but the potential is still there. With the first net, that kind of is a backup to your LMR where you could push that information out at a second's notice and people have mission-critical information to their own personal lives as we're getting the mission-critical information on the scene. That's great. So we talked ahead of time about, um, so FirstNet is, we're going to continue to innovate for the future. We have to. It's a 25-year contract with AT&T. Uh, there's a five, we're in year two of a five-year build-out. We, we also are prioritizing with public safety, with you, to truly make it your network and to look ahead to the feature sets that you really wanted to, to make it a, a customized network, right? So we, we went over five areas which have been laid out in our initial plan for, for the roadmap. So as we collaborate to, as we collaborate to refine it, um, the five areas being coverage and capacity, situational awareness, voice communications, secure information exchange, and user experience, what would you say for you is, is number one out of those five? Probably the coverage. That's going to be a big factor. Everybody can show you a map of where their cell towers are. 
that doesn't mean anything when you're in the middle of the desert and you can't get anything. Where things do happen, uh, obviously, each individual geographic area throughout the country has their own intrinsic things that prevent them from getting a cell signal. I was going to say, do you have deserts out here? No, but we have big buildings. You have internal buildings uh, where you go in, and they're built like bomb shelters. So, you know, LMRs don't work in there. Cell signal wouldn't work even less. So to get those built out would be, in my estimation, a primary priority. Because if it doesn't work, they're not going to use it. So that build-out is going to be integral to getting this to fly everywhere. It's no problem when you got great coverage, but when you don't, then it becomes, I'm not going to use this. So you've had great coverage, or at least you've had, you've had good coverage, right. right? What are some of the unique features that you're looking forward to coming down the line? We touched on them a little bit. Anything that comes to mind? I, I, I really think that the biometrics for police and firefighters in the field, um, where they can be monitored even at a remote control location, say the, the EOC or the dispatch center, where they can be monitored. How many police officers or firefighters perished because they were in a situation where they didn't realize their blood pressure had spiked and, you know, their heart rate had spiked. The hardest part of our job is not necessarily putting out the fire, it's communicating at a fire. So if we can provide something that improves communication, provides on-scene mission critical information, that's going to be a, one of the biggest landslides, in my estimation, for the to improve this entire system. And I think that we're working towards that end. And once we can bring that out to the individual departments, the, the, the people that have not changed in 30 years, where we can show them this innovation, you know, we, unfortunately we still have people that are using VCRs. So if we can show people, you don't need to use a VCR, you can do everything through an MP4, you, or you can download this, or, or you know, this is available in another avenue. If we can show them that and show them there's a better way, you're golden. The, the, the system will take off. It'll, it'll actually perpetuate itself. How key is it for you public safety to work with the vendor community as they develop solutions? That's the only way they're going to get to know how to do things. I can sell you something and tell you it's the greatest, but until you use it, until you're driving down the street at 3 o'clock in the morning and getting bounced around on the back of a fire truck or getting bounced around on the back of an ambulance, or you're in an environment where the temperature is barely bearable, where you can feel your ears burning, you don't know if it works or not. You can tell me it does, but I don't know it does. So there's a big, and that's um, one of the vendors that we did work with that were very uh, magnanimous um, and, and helpful in this. And they were the first ones to approach us, and they, they actually had uh, provided us with a, a poor, um, mobile cell router. And we put it in one of our ambulances to improve our pre-hospital communications with a physician in telemedicine. And it has offered a substantial, I, I cannot... Uh, actually explained how much it has provided for pre-hospital communications through not only voice but video. When you can bring the doctor to the house, it's like the old days of making house calls where we're bringing the emergency physician to the home through a cell network. The, the possibilities after that are endless. So uh, we talked about the, P- the Push to Talk interconnection. When can you envision your organization, Parma Fire, incorporating PTT over LTE? Actually, we're in the process of doing that as we speak. All of our current radio equipment that we're purchasing will be um, not only C1D1 compliant for our specifications, but we'll have LTE intrinsic into them. So once I get enough of those out into the field, we can start implementing the emergency PTT in all of those in addition to our LMRs. 
right now as well, we're working with our command staff to get them all up on the on the FirstNet system as well. Again, sometimes people are a little bit reticent to change, and you know, some of us do it on our own, and then some of them they have to wait to be told to do it. But um, we're working with our command staff now to get them on the same system so that they can realize the benefits that that you know the rest of the country is realizing. So how do you anticipate putting that into your operations? Do you have any like real use cases ranging from not at all to getting close to almost a replacement for your free your mobile radio down the line? I think the replacement, full replacement of a land mobile radio will be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parma owns its own system, so we have our own radio communication system, 800 megahertz system that's ours that we own. Obviously, we'd like more capabilities with it, which... As I've said before, the, the first step will not only provo- uh, enhance the backup, it's going to provide a greater coverage area, in my estimation, to our LMRs. And again, that's the, that was the heartbeat of interoperability that was thought about so many years ago. They want to be able to have people that are from Parma be able to get called in a major incident to Columbus or even, let's take it in even a smaller town, uh, a, a little you know, 800-person town that needs the help where we'd have interoperability with them without having to grab one of their radios or try to have them find enough radios for everybody that's coming into work. One of the things in, in, in back in um, when, on 9-11, uh, 12 members of the city of Parma Fire Department went to New York to help bail out. And one of the biggest factors that we had at that time, which obviously was part of the impetus for interoperability, was we weren't able to talk to anybody. It was all word of mouth. And the chaotic scene that was after 9-11 made even talking to one another extremely difficult. There was a, a neighboring department that had sent some firefighters as well, and they actually, we were supposed to help them operate at a burning building, and we couldn't find out where they were because there was no communication. Imagine if FirstNet were around back then. It would have been a simple process to find out where they were. And, and, and even to the extent of you know geolocation of certain devices, on, on an area you're not familiar with. It's all there. Well, TJ, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to meet you, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing this partnership. Likewise, you. and the pleasure was all ours. We all appreciate right. it very much. Thanks for listening today. We're excited to have you join our podcast community. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. You can learn more about the First Responder Network Authority at firstnet.gov and learn about FirstNet products and services at firstnet.com. 